Welcome to tape number nine of the series What We Catholics Believe. This tape is about prayer. Once we realize that we have an intelligent, loving creator watching over us and holding us in existence, we naturally want to communicate with him and respond to his love. In short, we want to pray. It's the only way we can hope to develop a personal relationship with this wonderful being. And he wants us to pray to him. And he is always ready with his help. Because we cannot pray without his help. So this tape is going to say a little about prayer. And how we can help our youngsters to pray. And that's extremely important. For without prayer, all the knowledge in the world will be quite useless. We should link prayer with the knowledge step by step as we go along. Now, what is prayer? The little catechism tells us prayer is the raising up of the mind and heart to God. That's a beautiful definition made many centuries ago by one of the early church fathers. And it says it all, raising up your mind, thinking of God, raising up your heart, loving him. You might use words, you might not. But raising up the mind and the heart to God is always prayer. St. John Damascene, one of the early fathers, made that definition, and St. Teresa of Lisieux has expanded on it in a way. Because she tells us, for me, prayer is a surge of the heart. It's a simple look turned toward heaven. It's a cry of recognition of love, embracing both trials and joys. These are great saints. But their words can help us even. And so can the Catechism of the Catholic Church. It's a wonderful book. The whole book is very worthwhile. Not just because it's so informative on doctrine, but because it contains so many quotations from saints. And that makes it excellent spiritual reading. It's a very large book. To read it from cover to cover might be a bit daunting. But you can dip into it, or you can use the index to see what it says on particular topics. However, I would like to suggest that you read the whole of part four, the final section, which is entirely devoted to prayer. It's quite short, it's only 65 pages, and it's the one part of the catechism that hasn't been written by a group of people but by just one very holy French priest who spent most of his working life in the Lebanon. And in it, he gives us some wonderful insights into prayer. So that's well worth looking at. When we pray, the whole man prays, body and soul. But when scripture talks about prayer, it usually mentions the heart more than a thousand times. It talks about your heart praying, which means that when we pray it should be heartfelt, 
we should mean it. Heart is really a synonym for will. So this is an exercise of our will. Your will is what you love with. And prayer is an expression of love. And we try not to confuse that with feelings, which may be engaged or may not. You can pray perfectly well without feeling anything very strongly. In fact, if you waited until you felt like praying, you very likely wouldn't pray often enough. I always think of a story I heard about an elderly nun sitting up in her room. The bell went for them to go to chapel. and She put away what she was doing and she started to walk down towards the chapel. As she went along the corridor, she saw the door of another nun's room open and there was a young nun sitting, reading. Sister, she says, the bell has gone. Are you coming to chapel? No, replied the young nun, I don't feel like praying this evening. So the elderly nun said to her, Sister, I haven't felt like praying for 25 years. But that's the bell, we'll go and pray. And they both went down to chapel together. I think that's a very good lesson. We pray because we love God, whether we feel or not. It's lovely if we do feel, but we mustn't rely on it. In the Bible, we see prayer developing through the Old Testament. Mostly it was just sacrifices at first. Then we have Abraham praying, and Moses who prayed a great deal. And on to King David, who wrote the Psalms, which the church still makes great use of. And of course, in the New Testament, we are taught about prayer by Jesus himself. And that is a great privilege, to learn about prayer from him. He teaches us in many different ways. One way, by his example. He prays often. You're often going to find when you read the Gospels that Jesus was praying. Jesus was praying all night very often. So if we're going to follow his example, we should pray often. The minimum should be at least once every day. St. Aloysius says, those who are in heaven are there because they prayed. So if we want to get to heaven, we must pray now while we're on earth. <clears throat> Jesus often prayed in solitude, often at night while the others slept, sometimes out in the desert where there was nobody to distract him. And of course he's prayed in the desert for 40 days before his ministry. He always prayed before any momentous event. And that's a lesson for us as well. Anything important happening in our lives, we make an extra effort to turn to God in prayer. It's also interesting to note that when he's petitioning the Father, he gives thanks at the very beginning. For instance, the raising of Lazarus in the 11th chapter of St. John. He thanks the Father out loud first. And then he prays for Lazarus to be raised, and Lazarus comes walking out of the tomb. 
These are all lessons we can benefit from. As well as his example, Jesus taught us, of course, by parables. There are several of those, most of them in St. Luke's Gospel. You'll probably remember the parables because, deliberately, that is why they're told. They stick in our minds. They're stories. And Jesus used them knowing that we would remember them. There's the story of the widow who was having a hard time, unjustly treated, and the judge who didn't care, wasn't bothered to do anything about it. And she petitioned him again and again and again. And in the end, he got so tired of it, he thought, I'm never going to have any peace from this woman unless I do as she asks. And he gave her justice. Or another parable teaching the same lesson about the neighbour who knocks up his next door neighbour at night because her friends have arrived unexpectedly and he has no bread to give them. And the next door neighbour protests, I'm in bed with all my family. They probably all slept in one room, in one bed. They would have disturbed everybody if he'd had to get up. No, I'm not coming down, he says. Not at this time of night. But the neighbour doesn't give up. He's determined to get the bread. So he keeps knocking and calling. And of course, eventually, his long-suffering neighbour has to get up. Otherwise, he's not going to get any peace. Now, that's really an amusing story. But what Jesus was teaching us was that we must persevere in prayer. We mustn't say, oh, I've asked for that. I haven't got it. Give up. I've asked for that. I'll ask again. That's what he was teaching us. So you're asking for a particular grace, and God never refuses a prayer for grace. Keep asking, and you'll be following his lesson. Another lesson he gave was about the bread and the stone. Now when this happened, he'd been telling the apostles to pray, and St. Peter, who was very good at acting as spokesman for the apostles, said, Lord, I'm often asking for things in prayer and I don't get them. So then Jesus said to him, well, tell me, you were looking after a child, your child maybe, and he looked at a piece of stone that looked like bread. Now remember, these are flat round stones like the loaves they had in those days. And he asked you to give it to him to eat. Would you give it to him? And Peter said, no, he would hurt his teeth on it. Exactly, said the Lord. The same thing, supposing he thought he saw a fish, but you knew it was a snake. Would you give it to him if he asked for it? No, said Peter. That's how it is with God the Father. You know how to give good things to your children, so does God the Father. If you ask for something you want, you think it's good, it's just what you want, God may know better. And if he knows it's going to do you harm, spiritual harm or bodily harm, out of love for you, he will say no. But rest assured, your prayer is never wasted. If you have prayed, particularly if you've persevered in prayer, you will receive something else. There will be another blessing that won't do you any harm. Because God is very fair. So that prayer, that story, is teaching us to remember that prayer can have several answers. It can be yes, here it is. It can be no, here's something else. 
And of course, it can be weight. Another parable that Jesus told us, and this is one we should all remember, was about the publican and the Pharisee in the temple. You remember he described how the Pharisee walked into the temple, walked right up to the front, and stood there praying to God the Father, thanking him for making him so good, really. I give tithes of all I possess, all the listing, all the things he did. Very proud. And at the back of the temple, crouching down and not daring to come to the front, was a publican, humbly praying, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And when the Pharisee catches sight of him, he says, thank you, Lord, but I'm not like that miserable publican. Really, his pride knows no bounds. And Jesus said to the apostles, now, which one of those two do you think went home justified? And of course, they all knew it was the publican, the humble man who was sorry for his sins, who knew he didn't have to tell God about his good doings, but that he was sorry. And that's to teach us humility. Humility is essential in prayer. We're never going to succeed or pray well if we start, like the Pharisee did, standing up and being proud. We have to pray in humility. The other way we can learn, besides his example and the parables, is through Jesus' own prayers that are recorded in the Gospel. And particularly those on the night when he was suffering his agony in the garden and when he died on the cross. You remember how when he arrived at the Garden of Gethsemane on Monday, Thursday evening, he said to the apostles, My soul is sorrowful, even unto death. Pray with me. If you're sad, the best thing you can do is pray and ask your friends to pray. And then he went to a rock by himself and he knelt down to pray. And the prayer he said to God the Father was, not as I will, he was praying for the chalice of suffering to pass, but not as I will, as thou wilt. Thy will be done. And that's how we must pray, particularly when we're in difficulty. We can tell the Lord what we want, but we must always add that your will be done. Because we trust in his dear will. He loves us, he's wise, he's good, he's completely trustworthy. So the best thing we can do is to trust him. So we say to him, not my will. Thy will be done. Then on the cross, of course, the first prayer that Jesus said to God the Father was, Father, forgive them. Pray for his executioners. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that was showing us that we forgive and we pray for our enemies. Whatever the circumstances, these people hadn't said they were sorry. They hadn't apologised. They'd shown no repentance. Didn't matter. Jesus forgave them and prayed for them. 
And that's because he wants us to do the same. Don't wait for people to be sorry. Forgive them anyway. And then just before his death on the cross, into thy hands I commend my spirit to his Father in heaven. A prayer that we can copy. A good prayer to say last thing at night before we go to sleep. So we have Jesus' teaching on prayer. We have it expounded and explained by the apostles in their epistles and by the saints and by the church. And a lot more thought and teaching has gone into what he said and what we find in the Old Testament as well. Prayer has been divided into four main types. The first one is praise. After all, we were created to give honour and praise to God. That's the reason we're here. So if that's the kind of prayer we must never neglect. We praise God. Then thanking God, prayers of thanksgiving. We should remember we have a great deal all the time to thank God for. And sometimes there are special things to say thank you for. If we've been asking, petitioning for something, persevering, praying for a long while, it's nice to remember to say thank you. Perhaps even to say thank you as often as we ask. Jesus does like to be thanked. He made that very clear. Do you remember when he healed the ten lepers? He didn't heal them immediately. He told them to go and show themselves to the high priests, which was quite a long walk away. And as they walked, they began to heal. So that by the time they reached the high priest, they were completely cured. Now all ten were cured. The priest examined them, he passed them, he told them they could go home to their families. They were overjoyed. And one of them said, we must go back and thank him. And the others who knew that they should go back and thank him said, oh, we want to go home. We'll thank him later. But the one who knew the right thing to do persevered in what he knew was right. And he went all the way back into the country where Jesus was still teaching the crowds. And he knelt before him and he thanked him just as carefully as he'd knelt before him and asked to be cured. And Jesus was very pleased with him. But he said to him rather sadly, what about the other nine? Weren't they cured? And of course he had to say they were. Whether they ever thanked him or not, we don't know. But we want to be like the good leper, the one that pleases Jesus. Always be ready to thank him anything and everything blesses, graces, crosses whatever now that's praising and thanksgiving and contrition the prayer that the publican was saying in the temple God be merciful to me a sinner when we realise we've offended God instantly we should think now we must say we're sorry an act of contrition a prayer saying we're sorry and that's an important prayer as well. And of course the last one, supplication, asking. And that's not to be um, ignored or, or looked down on. It, it's an important part of prayer, but it shouldn't be the only part. 
We're meant to ask for our needs, our spiritual needs and our temporal needs. And we're also meant to ask for the needs of others. Pray for our families and friends. Pray for our enemies. That's all supplication. That's all asking. These are the four divisions of the most vocal prayers, the prayers that use words. But besides these, of course, there are two other kinds. There's meditation, which is also prayer, and that is thinking, pondering about some spiritual truth, usually from the Bible. Here we see Our Lady setting us a wonderful example, because we're told several times in the New Testament, Mary kept these words in her heart and pondered them. And that's what we do when we meditate. We read a passage from scripture, or maybe a passage from a life of the saints. And we think about it. We don't just go on to read the next bit, we stop, we ponder it in our hearts. We think about it. That's all meditating is. You're meditating when you say the rosary. You're thinking about things that happened to our Lord and our Lady in the New Testament. And then finally, there's contemplation, which is not just for monks and nuns, as for everybody. St. John of the Cross calls it silent love, which is a beautiful description. And the Catechism of the Catholic Church, in paragraph 2710, describes it as turning to God as a child who surrenders to the loving will of the Father in silence. That's silent prayer. Just being in the presence of God, being with him, loving him. Like the old peasant who told the curé d'Ars, he would go into the church and sit there in front of the tabernacle for hours. And when the curé asked him, what do you say to the Lord? He said, I don't say anything. I look at him, he looks at me. He was describing contemplation. The Catechism of the Catholic Church also says that we don't contemplate when or if we have the time. We make sure there is time. Because even what if one cannot always meditate, one can always enter into this inner prayer. It's a little like the prayer we, we, we offer at Mass. We're associating ourselves in silence with God. So that, just very briefly, are the different kinds of prayer. Who do we pray to? Well, to God, of course. The Blessed Trinity, together, as we do in the sign of the cross, which is a prayer, and the glory be to the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We should also pray separately to God the Father, to Jesus, God the Son, and to God the Holy Spirit. And of course we also pray to our friends in heaven, to our Blessed Lady, our Heavenly Mother, to the angels, particularly our guardian angel, and to the saints who will intercede for us if we ask them. That's why we must pray to them. And we should ask them to intercede, just like we ask our friends here on earth. Say a prayer for me, help me with your prayers. We pray in all sorts of ways. Everybody has their own way. 
sometimes spontaneous, made-up prayers, or informal prayers as they're called, just to suit an occasion. And with young children, this is how you would start. Children would make up a thank you prayer, or an asking prayer, or a prayer of love for God. And it's great if they do make it up. It shows they really mean it because they're using their own words. So there's a place for spontaneous, made-up, informal prayers all the time. And then there are the formal prayers we know by heart. And these are very important too. Because we need those. They're better in a way than anything we can make up. The only problem would be if we became so familiar with them, we'd just said the words without thinking what we were saying. There we have to take care to say them slowly and meaningfully. And of course the greatest formal prayer is the one that Jesus made up for us. The Our Father. You remember the apostles watched him pray. They didn't interrupt him. You never interrupt anybody when they're praying. But when he'd finished praying, and he turned to speak to them again, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he gave them the Our Father. The full version in the sixth chapter of St. Matthew is what the church uses. The opening line, Our Father who art in heaven, places us in the presence of God. So when we say it, say it slowly thinking. This is who you're addressing. Our Father, who art in heaven. And then there are seven petitions. Three of them for God, things we need for God. Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Pope John Paul II pointed out at a general audience in 1979, these petitions are simple enough for a child to understand them. But they're so deep, a whole lifetime can be spent meditating on them. So the Our Father should be taught to children. One phrase at a time. It's a long prayer. They should do one phrase at a time and only when they've got all that safe in their minds to go on to the next one. And I think we should write them down. Because unless they see the words written down, they're not really sure what they're saying. They get confused. If you just hear something, you can get it wrong. So whatever age children are you're teaching the Our Father to, do it a little bit at a time, explaining as you go, and write it down. As I say, the first three deal with God and his honour and glory, and the four with our basic needs. Give us this day our daily bread. Our need for forgiveness. Now that's petition number five, and that is rather surprising. Because we say to God, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's not a straight request for forgiveness. Only to be forgiven in the way that we forgive others who've offended us. It's a very serious statement. And Jesus put it there very deliberately because it's the one petition he came back to. When he finished teaching them the Our Father, he repeated that one. If you look at St. Matthew's Gospel, you'll see he says, that one you must be sure to mean and to keep. Forgive us our trespasses 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. The way we forgive other people, that's how we're going to be forgiven. So we're asking something very serious. We need to think about it very carefully. We ask not to be led into temptation and be delivered from evil. And then, Amen. Which means, so be it. So children, everybody needs the Our Father all through their lives. And of course, the Hail Mary. The first part having been made up by the angel Gabriel, with St. Elizabeth completing it, and then the church added the second part. And again, I teach a bit at a time explaining. Other formal prayers that children do need are the short acts of faith, hope, charity and contrition, a prayer to their guardian angel, the grace before and after meals, and any others that appeal to you. You'll find all these prayers in the simple prayer book published by the CTS. It's sold in CTS bookshops and it's at the back of very many churches. And it's been selling these prayers for over a hundred years. Now where do we pray? Well obviously in church. At Mass, which is the great prayer of the church and which I'll be covering in the next tape as I think it requires a side to itself. At church during visits to our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. At home, family prayers are a very good thing. As Father Peyton always said, a family that prays together stays together. You have growing children, inaugurate or continue family prayers. Family rosary if possible. And of course private prayer. Jesus said if you go to your room and you shut the door and you kneel down and pray when nobody sees you except your Heavenly Father, that brings a special grace. You're showing God you really love him. You're making the effort to kneel down by yourself and pray to him. But of course you can pray anywhere. God is everywhere. We can raise up our minds and hearts to him anywhere, anytime. Walking along a street, waiting on a railway platform, working in the house, whatever we're doing. We should try and get in the habit of what the scripture says, praying always. Just little short prayers perhaps, like Jesus mercy, Mary help, or just the holy name Jesus, which can be said many times every day, and which gives glory to God and brings us closer to him every time we say it. Every prayer, remember, is of immense value, not just to yourself, helping your spiritual life, but to God, is valued by God. Every prayer we, offer, we say is offered to God the Father by Christ. Even if it's just a short, hurried grace before meals. So we should always try and make our prayers well said, thoughtfully said, so that they are worthy being offered, to be offered to God the Father by God the Son. Now we're going to pray now. We're going to say the third sorrowful mystery of the Rosary. And this is the mystery where we think about Jesus being crowned with thorns. You remember he'd been scourged. And when the scourging finished, he was cut down from the pillars and sat on a stool. So after the scourging, we read in the Gospel, 
that the Roman soldiers called together the whole band. The others who'd gone were called back. And the soldiers came, carrying a crown of thorns which they had plaited, and a purple robe. They dressed him in the purple robe to mock him. They were saying, he says he's the king of the Jews, we'll dress him like a king. And for his crown, they put on his head the plaited crown of thorns. And then they bowed to their knees and pretended to give him praise in a mocking way. Hail, King of the Jews. And they soon began to get very rough. He says in the Gospel they gave him blows and kicks. And you can see the marks of those on the shroud today. They spat on him. And they mocked him. And this continued until it was a time to lead him back to Pilate, where they took off the purple robe and put him back in his own clothes. When Pilate saw him and saw how much he had suffered, even his cold heart was touched. And he thought, if I take him out on the balcony where the crowd are, when they see him, they'll be sorry. They'll let him go. So he took him took Jesus out on the balcony and the crowd were filling the courtyard and that's when he said Ecce Homo behold the man but he could hardly speak because as soon as they saw him the crowd were shouting crucify him, crucify him Pilate did his best he tried to give bargain with them that one prisoner would be released and thinking that rather than release Barabbas who was a robber they would allow him to release Jesus but they wouldn't they asked for Barabbas and they said crucify him for Jesus so frightened to disobey them even though he knew he was innocent Pilate agreed that he would be crucified he washed his hands he actually washed his hands sent for a page boy put his hands in the water washed his hands of the whole affair and said to his soldiers, he may be crucified. Now that sad story is what we think of while we are saying the Our Father, ten Hail Marys, and glory be of the third sorrowful mystery of the Rosary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, 
now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, and save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much for listening to this tape with me. The next tape is going to be about the Mass and Jesus' real presence in the Blessed Sacrament. I hope you'll be able to listen to that as well. God bless you all.